Welcome to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today joining me for episode 95 uh, is the whole crew. We have Brian Joyner back from a long hiatus and Matt Collins back. Uh, Brian is well-rested. Brian, how's the, uh, how's the rotator cuff? You know, I did a lot of pitching, stickball pitching, and don't laugh. But I actually think that my I actually believe my rotator cuff is is messed up. So, um, so so in relative to normal, I think it's feeling okay right now. I have no particular problems right now. But uh, long term, you know, if you want me to get some innings in, I'm probably gonna see a doctor. But uh, other than that, I'm fine. Matt, how are you? Uh, well, my rotator cuff's alright, so I got that going for me. Uh, doesn't Devers uh, on his uh, Nesson bio? I'm pretty sure he references the uh, Dominican name for stickball as like his favorite sport other than baseball, which is funny because it's pretty much baseball. <laughs> That's like me saying wiffle ball is my favorite. Sport. Yeah, well, there's a lot less running, so I can understand why he doesn't like it as much. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. All right, so uh, since the last time we recorded this, Matt and I, uh, we recorded it at Win 104, which is just how I'm marking, you know, actual world events. I'm like, oh, this happened at Win 104. This happened at Win 107. Uh, we are now at the wins record, 107 with three games to go in the regular season. Uh, interestingly enough, they uh, surpassed the 1912 team, uh, and I think that uh, it's worth talking a little bit about that 1912 team here because uh, the Globe did a really interesting piece that I think everybody should check out if they get a chance to uh, that talked about how the Globe covered the 1912 team. And it was kind of interesting because with this year's team, we expect that Mookie Betts is going to win the MVP. On that 1912 team, they had uh, Tris Speaker, who won the MVP of the league that year. He batted 383 with 10 home runs, 90 RBIs. And uh, they had a pretty good pitcher on that team, too, just like the Sox have Chris Sale. They had Smokey Joe Wood, who uh, went 34-5. and And uh, I think he had 30-something complete games uh, that year, too, which is pretty remarkable. But the thing that really stood out to me about the, uh, the article was that uh, they had a manager at the time named Jake Stahl, who was the manager of the team, and they focused a lot on this guy because he was such a player's manager and he was a little unique for the time. He was There were a lot of quotes about him focusing on you know, physical fitness and player well-being and all these things that you don't think about um, as being sort of of that time period. You, know, you think about 1912 and you're like cigars and uh, hot dogs and stuff like that. So I thought it was kind of interesting. What does Shaughnessy have to say about that team? <laughs> Guys, just just in case you didn't know, Jake was a Jake is a history teacher. He teaches history. This um, is true. So, what I'm saying here is that he likes history. So yeah, uh, that's uh, that is cool. Um, I would say I'm going to look it up, but I'm not. But I'm I happy to hear it. Going to. Oh my god! I've said before, anything before 1998 doesn't count. Wow. All right. So uh, half of Griffey's good seasons. All right. Got it, Matt. Thanks. That's when I started watching it. I don't care about anything before that. All right. Well, Brian was about uh, – Brian had probably had a family of three by then, so. I think that was his 40th birthday. <laughs> Actually, my junior year of college, so you can – I mean, that's literally what it was. Good nice. year for baseball. I don't, I don't know if you guys heard. 1998 was pretty, was pretty fun. There's a reason that was my first year. 
Yeah, there you go. You all you owe it all to steroids, Matt. So I do. Um, we got to lead off the show today with uh, Chris Sale because Chris Sale uh, didn't quite make it through the five innings that we expected him to make it through versus the Orioles. Uh, he wasn't quite as dominant as we all expected him to be. The big story of the night is Sale's velocity. Uh, Sale's average fastball velocity was 90.1 on the night. His high was 94.5. Uh, it was lower than all of the other starts that he's made so far in September, albeit it's worth noting that those are a lot shorter starts than the one that he made uh, yesterday, I guess it was. And um, so what I want to know from you guys is uh, how worried are you about this? Because that was his last start before the ALDS. Do you think he's going to be ready to to roll in the playoffs? I'm more worried about the command than the velocity, to be honest. Um just because, I mean, he did get his velocity up there. I'm pretty sure that average velocity is skewed. I think they uh, misclassified some change-ups in there as fastballs. Because he had some fastballs that were like 86, 87 that I saw that didn't make any sense. Um, and also, I mean, he plays around with his velocity so much, I never know what's real and what's not. So, if I mean, he, I don't know that he can get up to like 97 consistently, but he's... If he can get to 95, that's good enough. But he's not hes not commanding the ball like he usually does. He's not getting the edges of the zone. He's losing control way more often than I've ever seen him do. So if he can't get that under control, I'm a lot more worried about that than his velocity. Brian, what did you think? Well, to be perfectly honest, Jake, I didn't see it. Um because I had to recap the early game and my wife was out of town. I have children. Um, but my general uh, opinion is that I understand how, if you are inclined to worry, this is something you might have worried about. Um, A, it's not going to do any good. B, the only thing I can say, because it doesn't look great, as Matt said, it looks a lot more like what Sale looked like at the end of last year than we'd like it to. But they're at least, the plan is at least, and has been for six weeks, to have him ready for next week. And you're entitled to have a bad start uh, within that range. The traits that are more consistent through his uh, rehab starts and his, you know, starter, his opener starts uh, are the ones I'd worried about more than specifically the last time out. But it's really just going to be how he feels the day he wakes up in game one of the playoffs. And because of that, we're going to retroactively judge everything that happened now when, while it's fair to judge what we're doing now, um, it's it's going to be about one or two games max that we judge them on this in the playoffs. And while that makes sense for the playoffs from a sample size perspective, it's just it's not much you can do that they're not doing the plan for it ahead of time. Yeah, it seems like what they're going to be doing before the ALDS start is spending a lot of time in the video room, 
And Sale is going to be spending a lot of time working with Dana Levangi because both Cora and Dana uh, and Sale actually all kind of mentioned that they didn't think that his delivery was quite what it was. And uh, Sale himself said that he didn't feel like he was utilizing his legs as much. Um, so it, it could just be that he's having trouble finding his release point and he's having trouble repeating the mechanics that he had uh, pre-injury. I mean, that's a long time to take off. I know, you know, I have a younger brother who pitches in college and if he doesn't throw for like three weeks at a time, he loses his release point. And obviously that's not the same comparison, but I think that it's fairly easy to do if you're not throwing consistently. And for a while he was completely shut down. So I think that there is still an outside shot that they could get this thing figured out. He's, he's going to throw another bullpen before he pitches in the ALDS. So there's potential. Well, I think, uh, my, I guess my point is, and I'm sorry to cut you off. Sorry. Um, I guess my point is, it's just like they've, I think basically what's done is done. It's not like, will they figure it out in the bullpen or not? Um, and this is sort of just like a fatalistic way to look at it, but worrying. I understand if you want to worry about it, worry about it, but it's, he's still Chris sale and they've still been planning for this for six weeks. Every season is sort of, you know, you're just on the fly and, um, you know, maybe they, they haven't been perfect, but they've been pretty good and they've, the results have been better than every team they've had. So, um, it's not like they've been careless. I think that's the best. Right. I would agree with that. I think that this has been very purposeful from the beginning. Um, Matt, I wanted to ask you, since you did get to watch the game, I was listening to the game, uh, so I didn't get to see it, but it seemed like Chris Sale was more wild in the beginning when he was kind of hitting guys with his slider. It seemed like guys were getting hit in the foot and stuff like that. Did you notice that he settled down and his command improved as the game went on? Yeah, it still wasn't um, like what you expect to see from him, but it was definitely better after like the first inning or two um, as the start went on. And then the last inning, he kind of um, he wasn't really he was his command was bad, but it was in the zone, so he's kind of getting hit around a little bit. Um, so I mean, there's definitely work to do there, but he did get better as the night went on. Um, it's worth noting um, Alex Spear wrote something about those mechanical issues. And he said that uh, Sale had kind of a similar issue with his lower body um, in June. He had a pretty rough start then. And then they gave him some extra rest, and they figured it out. And that's when he started that, like, bananas 10-game stretch before he got injured. So um, that doesn't mean that there's nothing physical wrong with him or anything like that, but it's at least some some hope for him figuring this out. All right. Well, that's good to know. So before we move on to um, the fun stuff here, uh, 1 to 10, how worried are you? 10 being uh, Sale is going to blow up in the playoffs, and 1 being uh, we have all-star break Sale. Matt, uh, what do you think? 5. Brian? You know, just I would say 6. I would just say that I might, I'm pretty calm about my 6. Okay. Pricing, price is writing me. Real chill six. Uh, I'll go it's with. A band name. I mean, the thing is, when sale isn't right, it's not a mystery, you know. Right. That's, and it's clearly, he's not. But as, 
I, I think that the most important game recently for Sale was the the one game he came back before he went back on the DL. Um, that was that game was crazy. Right, where he could like if he he was on pace to set. And I know you can be on pace to do it, and it's another thing to do it. But he was on pace to set and would have set the single-game strikeout record. Um, yeah, he had 12 strikeouts in five innings with 68 pitches. So last. I understand that he was playing the Orioles, I believe. But yeah. at the same time, I believe that as much as we worry about bad sale showing up or quote-unquote bad sale – is just as likely in any single game that that guy shows up and it doesn't matter who he's playing. Yeah, I, that that's why I'm at a three on my worry scale. I think that uh, I trust Sale when he and the team say he's physically good, and I do think it's just a matter of getting the mechanics right. So I think he's got enough time to do that, and I guess it's just why the hell not be optimistic about that well, in, in all the seasons. Uh, you know, this This season especially is the one that I'm going to be optimistic about. I'm definitely going to be at a 10 by the time the game's about to start. <laughs> I'm going to be pooping my pants. Yeah, well, that's fair for every playoff start, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, exactly. but see, Jake, my problem is just with the idea of being optimistic, and it's not because um, I think people are thinking those terms, but the flip side of this, and I think you are on the correct side of this, um, but the flip side of the whole idea is that if you win this many games – the fear of losing in the playoffs is heightened because then there's this conflict between are you like you obviously cannot be happy about the season as a whole. If, like if they got swept, you would not be happy about the season they got swept in the ALDS, despite the fact. And even I, even I, who am very pro this season, like that would be hard to swallow, you know, sure. That'd be very difficult to take. Um, so I think that part of the reason people are worried about the first round particularly is that that is on the line. Sort of like the, if they lost an incredibly tight ALCS to the Astros, you would, my guess is that we would, we'd understand, you know? Yeah, I would, in fact, I would. I mean, I, I guess I guess I agree. I would be disappointed if they lost to the A's or the Yankees. I would be disappointed but totally unsurprised if they lost to Cleveland or the Astros because I think those teams are just a tick above uh, where the Yankees and the A's are. I, mean, really, I wouldn't really be shocked if they lost to anybody or beat anybody. Well, the, those all those teams we just named are probably the four best teams in the playoffs. Other than Matt, I'd be surprised that they lost the A's in the ALDS because that's hard to do. I don't know. They're pretty good. It's a good bull play. That's, no, that's just a joke about the A's always going up to nothing and losing the series. <laughs> it is true. They suck in the playoffs. Um, let's move on here because we're going a little long. Um, the doubleheader, the game that you covered, Brian, was ridiculously fun, so uh, I'm a little jealous. Um there were three things that happened, I think, that are particularly worth pointing out. Uh, Mookie stole a base to secure his uh, the second-ever 30-30 season for a Red Sox hitter. Huge milestone for him. Uh, Xander Bogarts passed the 100-RBI mark to become the first shortstop to do so in a Red Sox uniform since Nomar in 03. 
And then uh, Rafi Devers is uh, getting hot and hit his 20th and 21st home run. Uh, and he's one of the youngest in Red Sox history ever to surpass 20 home runs. And a note about that is he only needed 118 games this year to get that done. So that's pretty impressive. I wanted to know from you two guys, uh, which of these is the most impressive to you? And which of these is the most surprising, like taking on aggregate over the whole season? Uh, Brian, I'll start with you. Uh, which of these is the most impressive to you? I think 30-30 is the most impressive. I mean, um, it was, I don't know, it's easy to look at in retrospect, but Mookie has been the MVP in the clubhouse for about six weeks now or two months, and he is, it's done now, you know. He's going to win it. Um, that Yesterday was great because he got a single in the first inning, and was just, he almost got, he actually got picked off, but they didn't get him out. Um, and then got an amazing jump on a ball Benny fouled off, and then he walked the second time. Got it the second um, I think the all, the other things are all great and interesting, but 30-30 is, um, I think the one thing that I was ruined on were like 30-30 seasons when I was younger, because that was the 40-40, like I remember very vividly. And Seiko going 40-40, like, oh, you go 30-30, who cares? But especially in today's game, that's really impressive. And, uh, you know, Mookie's so good, that's just another thing he did. That's it. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Matt? It's obviously 30-30. I don't think there's any debate. Um, I didn't know that was only the second time that happened. Nobody ever did that before elsewhere. No, Ellsbury was the first. The Red Sox don't have a huge history of guys that have both power and speed. Because when you think about the big-time well, Red I'm Sox Well, I'm just shocked players, that Nomar didn't do it his first year because he hit 30 home runs and he batted leadoff. Yeah, he was always like a 2020 guy for his first few seasons. So, But they have a lot of slow-footed superstars when you look at the, the best players in Red Sox history. It is kind of interesting. Mookie really does they, break the They've been the slowest team for... 90 years until the last five you know i mean honestly i'm not kidding i'm not exaggerating at all yeah no they they traditionally do not steal bags so it's it's pretty cool that this team has so much athleticism and speed i think uh, i agree with both of you that that 30 30 marks the most impressive thing but i think what surprised me was uh devers just needing 118 games to get over 20 home runs and uh so I, I mentioned I was listening to this game on the radio, and the audible sound that the bat made when he hit that ball 447 was so different than other hits. Like, I wish I had just recorded that because we talk about how it sounds different all the time, but that one really did sound different. I was like, whoa, okay, that ball's going to go a mile. And then when the stat cast came back, I was like, yep, that, that sounds about right. Jay, can I asterisk you in real time? Sure. Audible sound is redundant. <laughs> um, Are they going to call him out on the cliche? Jake, the only the only reason it's not that I disagree that it's impressive. It's very impressive. The only reason I disagree about the um sort of like depth of its impressiveness is that the ball just flies out now. So this. Merely home run numbers 
Um, and it's not all Devers has, so that's I'm not saying he does, but merely home run numbers don't necessarily do in shorter periods of time. We should also mention that that 447 is the longest at Fenway this year, and that he did have six ribbies to go along with it. So it's nice to see him getting hot. Yeah, uh, the 447 is pretty impressive. So another note, Mookie, Xander, and Andrew Benintendi. Well, you can tell we have a little bit of a theme going on today because we only have three games left in the year. But all three of those guys are at 40-plus doubles right now, and JD is at 37. So he just needs three more to get there. Mookie's three doubles away from 50. And I think I saw someone tweeting online that if Mookie gets to 50... to tweeting offline? Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, Man, it was in my head, but I said I was just a dick. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah, I'll take over for you. You guys want to host? All right. Um, Mookie needs just three doubles to get to 50, and if he gets there, he's only the second player ever to go 30, 30, 50 doubles. That would be pretty cool. He's very good. Was Bonds the first? I have no clue. I have no clue who the other one is. There's only one other dude, so... I don't know. It? I don't uh, have uh, the play tool play or whatever. I'm going to separate him to Bonds in the field. <laughs> so, what is it? Uh, 50 doubles, 30 home runs, and 30 stolen bases. And All right. it, I don't know if Sorry, Bonds and A-Rod in the field. That's what I'm going to say. But anyhow, while Matt's looking this up, Mookie's currently sitting at 10.1 F4, Fangraph's war, and since 1901... No way. What's that? You guys would never guess who, who it was. Alfonso Soriano. Oh, no, I would have uh, guessed because I would have just guessed the 40-40 guys. And they're, he's yeah, one of them. he wasn't 40-40. He had 39 oh. runs. Uh, he, didn't, Did he, he, didn't he have a, a rainout game? I don't know. What year was okay, that? Okay, well, I consider him in my head one of them. So. Wow. That would be pretty I cool. I never company. would have guessed that. No, I wouldn't have either. That probably would have been my next guess. I'm old, so that's like my wheelhouse. Go I ahead. Don't you. That's not even that old. I remember everything that Alfonso Soriano did. Come on, you gotta you gotta bring some real old. Yeah, you also here. remember watching Saturday morning cartoons. That's gone from me now. That is true. So Mookie, ten point one more. There was an article written on Fangraphs today, which I think was really cool. I urge everybody to read that. Um, since 1901, there have only been 50 10-plus war seasons. So this is this is very rare. Um, and I think it's also cool to look at the group that's done it more than once. Um, so I didn't even include their first names because you don't need them to know who these guys are. Ruth, Williams, Wagner, Bonds, Mays, Cobb, Mantle, Gehrig, Trout, and Hornsby are the guys who have done it more than once. Um, and Mookie has done it at, in his age 25 season, and he's only one of 11 to do it at this age or younger. So my question to you guys is, as good as this season's been for Mookie, do you think he can ever have another one of these 10 war seasons and break into that crazy elite group that we just talked about? Because all of those guys are like gods. Well, you can't have two until you have one. And it's good to have one when you're 25. Right. That puts him in elite company, so that opens up the question. I mean, like, is it possible for him? Yeah, he's definitely good enough. I wouldn't bet on it, though. It's just really hard to – I wouldn't bet on anybody. Yes, the answer is yes. Yeah, him and Trout. Those are the two people. 
percentage. I mean, Trout more. Thirty three. Thirty three. Brian, what about you? Uh, so do I get everything above thirty three if I go thirty three point one, or fuck? everything below if I go one dollar? I don't care. <laughs> All right, then I'll do both. So unless it's exactly thirty three. Yeah. <laughs> one dollar. Um, Where did the dollar come from? I don't like the this. price is right. I I know. What? I'm uh, just sick of being screwed over in these games. I gotta stop. Yeah. What do I think? Do I think there's a chance? No, I mean, I think Matt's about right, and I think it's about as good as you're going to get for anyone. Like, yeah, I mean, that's a crazy. Do we still think Trout is better than Mookie? Yes. Yeah, of course. But on any given day, it's like 40% of the time Mookie might be better than Trout. All right, since you're going to hedge over here and nobody's going to give him a real shot, uh, I'm going to go over 50% that he does this. I'm going to say it is more likely than not that in his 26, 27, 28, 29, 30 years, he does this again. 10 plus you have to okay. consider the possibility that we're all dead by then. That's, Matt, I, mean, Matt, I, I appreciate, I appreciate Matt, I really appreciate that um, fatalisticness. <laughs> However, I would say to Jake, I understand where you're coming from. However, you realize that mathematically – that's not is probably not that likely. I understand you're saying you disagree with the math, but just in terms of sheer um, uh, regression, because uh, even if you regress to nine point eight war, that wouldn't be ten, you know. Yeah, but you know, uh, I am a social studies teacher, not a math teacher, so I don't give no shits about maths. Hey, I have a degree in mathematics. So we will respect math on this podcast. Yeah, I don't care for it. I'm a narrative guy. You're, how did the guy who's a narrative guy win this giant dynasty league? This is insane. I hate you. Go ahead. I, I'm, I'm multi-skilled, Brian. They call it a polymath. You uh, just said you hate <laughs> I do hate it. doesn't mean I don't do it. Um, all right, so next note over here. J.D., Mookie, Xander, and Andrew Benintendi will end the season with the best uh, years of their careers so far. I thought that was uh, that was pretty interesting in its own right. Those guys are kind of obvious, though. But uh, I wanted to mention three other guys who are also doing things that are fairly interesting for them. Sale, Brock, Holt, and Price. Uh, Holt is going to finish this season with his highest weighted runs created plus of his career. He's having a really good offensive season. Uh, for his uh, level, and I didn't think he'd get back to this, frankly. Sale has the best ratios of his career, and advanced metrics say he's better than he was last year in the time that he's pitched. And Price, is he going to win it or not? No, he's no chance. No, no chance. And Price no has ch- dropped his. He first. was the fa- oh wait 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 wait. He was the favorite on gambling sites. Brian, for the Which, for your three week hiatus, when a lot has occurred, like last week. Really. Yes. It's going to be... McCaffrey tweeted this. this. Jen McCaffrey tweeted this, I believe. I'm not on, 20, I'm not on Twitter 24-7, man. I don't see every tweet. It's no, I still gotta, or you're not. That's a lie. You're not. You sleep. I know it. Uh, barely. But I do sleep sometimes. I got to see if I can uh, bet some money on this. I am. Is it Snell? Is that... Is that I can't. 
I would say I would say we talked about this last week. I would give it to Snell. I don't think he's. I think it's probably going to go to Verlander though. Mm. Should go to Verlander. Verlander pitched more innings. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sorry to miss. Sorry to miss your party last week. I'm glad he said something. I'm fascinated that he was the favorite. He is second to Snell right now, according to Odd Shark. I and I don't believe that that was the case a week ago. That's crazy. I still don't think he's going to win, but that is eye-opening. Yeah, I, even with the narrative on his side, I just I don't see a way that that's possible. He doesn't even qualify. The reason I remembered it is it was sort of shocking. Hmm. He's like significantly favored over Verlander. Well, I don't know. It sounds like we just uh, turned into a gambling podcast here. So everybody go out legal. and bet this. It's legal now. So go ahead. All right. David Price. What's interesting about Price is that he dropped his first half home runs per nine from 1.5 to 0.93. We know about all the change, but uh, I don't think that's been mentioned enough, that he just doesn't give up long balls anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, that's been – his whole thing is he's he is not hit them he like barely hits the middle of his zone now that's he's using his secondaries and he's only on the corners so are we ta- are we just now talking about the second inning of yesterday's game just except for that i didn't see the game so it didn't exist mm. explain brian tell us what you saw he gave up two home runs and like four batters two taters were they, were they cheapies yeah. or big ones well, the Trey Mancini one was like he just left one over to Trey Mancini, and that was just he just. You don't do that. I mean, that's what Trey Man. That's why Trey Mancini has a job. If right. you leave it over, he's going to kill it. Um, and then the other one, I don't remember who it was to, um, but it was out to right field. It seemed more fluky than the man. The Mancini one was just bad pitch to a guy who hits it, and the other one just happened. But they had been talking, even in the game, about how few uh, homers he had given up. Uh, they, it didn't look like he might not get out of that second inning, and then he did, and he made it five. But it was uh, it was precarious. Bobby Pointer, now if you've heard about this guy, he was one. Tell me about him. What is going on over there? Are you sanding a doll? What is happening? Where did a doll come from? That's Matt, first of all. where did, What do you mean, me. sanding a doll? I pictured you as like Geppetto, the uh, the puppet guy from, um, what's that? We called? know who Geppetto is. <laughs> Pinocchio. <laughs> I pictured you uh, making a doll for some reason. That's interesting. I don't know what that was. If that was me, I'm sorry. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Brian, are you in the workshop right now? I'm on the third floor. I'm uh, doing a podcast. I'm recording a podcast right now. I don't know if you know. Good work. Good work by us. So, Brian, we haven't had you on uh, in a while, which means you've missed all of the roster spot discussion that Matt and I have been having over the oh, last boy, few Oh, boy, I sure have. So, Brian, tell me who your last few guys in would be because – there's a lot of guys who are fairly obvious at this point, but uh, is is Pointer in? Talk about your boy Pointer. Has he done enough to make it into this uh, this bullpen here? Well, the usage does not suggest that they are necessarily going to take. I think that it's less about what he's proven than 
what we can sort of infer from what's happened. But Matt says Corey's say, already made his choices, so usage might not matter that much. Right, but if he's already made his choices and Pointer is was in there, then I'm not feeling great about Pointer's chances, even though I obviously like him quite a bit. Would you put him in there? I mean, yes. <laughs> Brian would make him the closet. He would be on the team. He would. I mean, he would. Look. Shortstop. Where would you play him? I think if they had a look, if they had a forty-man roster the whole season, he would have, which they don't, obviously. But um, I think it was contractual issues with other people, and contractual liberties they could take with him, that made sure he wasn't on the team this year. I feel like he was skill-wise pretty clearly among the best pitchers, but I understand how it works too. But the, he's not hes not what we're talking about here. Um, I, because whether he makes it or not is ultimately a footnote, I think. But do you think he's going to be on? I'll say yes, but I, I do. I want to. I want to make an announcement, Jay. Yes. Because it ties into all this discussion, and possibly into the postseason roster discussion. As you know, I've had opinions on Blake Swihart. <laughs> oh my god! Oh no! As, hold on, wait! No, no, wait! I, I've argued with you, and with. Um, Matthew Corey of theathletic.com subscribe today. Uh, and with Christopher Smith of masslive.com on Twitter multiple times. All stand up guys, by the way. Yeah, are they? Um, and my beef with what um, you just called yourself a stand-up guy. I'll be I'll be Chris Smith, my beef with what he said was he said six weeks ago or a month ago, Blake Swihart should be the starting catcher right now. And I thought that was overstated. We're in However, the Jake, segment. Jake, I am willing to say that I believe that that is true for the playoffs and I think that if the Red Sox think that Christian Vasquez might not be a lock, but I don't know if that's realistic, but that certainly follows logically. I think that they're all three going to be carried. I do too. I don't like it, but I think it's going to happen. Well, what about not doing it for the first round? Cause you can add players, right? Yeah. You can change it every round. You don't need three catchers for the first round. And Swihart gives you options. You don't need three catchers in any round. No. Not unless you're planning on playing one of them in a different position. Yeah, but I don't know why they like I Swihart's versatility is nice, but he shouldn't be starting anywhere but catcher. No, he's not that's great true. in right field. No, he's he's bad in right field. Yeah, that's fair to say. But he did hit a ding dong. I don't like Yeah, I was shocked that when you were talking about yesterday's game that that was now one of the things you mentioned in the rundown. Yeah, you know, I've been trying to stay away from Swihart because uh, I don't want to make this about me, Brian. 
Um, Since the guy who just called himself a stand-up guy like, <laughs> two minutes ago. No, I, uh, no, I, it wasn't the playoffs. If like it's sort of, I wrote about this also. If there's two ways of measuring the season, one of which is to include the playoffs, and the other which is to like not include the regular season, basically. Um, in the in the case that you are looking at sort of holistically. I understand a team having a plan to survive the grind of the season and not deviating from that until the playoffs. And while I also understand that you can always get better, I feel like that was much less of an issue with a team that is so clearly, has so clearly going to be the best in AL, the AL for like months that um, I was not worried about it then. However, now, Blake Swihart looks really good. So I understand needing to do it uh, with some urgency, whereas I did not understand that. I'm gonna I'm gonna pose a question to you, Brian, and uh, Matt too. Um, thinking towards the future, if you could only take two of these guys next year to be on the roster, let's just say you could. I know you can take all three if you want. But if you could only take two, which two are you taking for next year's team to play for an entire season? I go Swire Vasquez. Wait, did you oh, just say catchers? Vasquez? Like, um, over wait, Leon? I did. I Okay, we're going to need to to unpack that a little bit in just a second here, but I, I want to get Brian's reply before we start unpacking Vasquez. I be, So my thing is that, having heard Matt's answer and thought about it, if Swihart is one of them, I don't think it matters who the other one is between those two guys. Maybe it matters if it's not those two guys, but I don't think those two guys are appreciably different. Um, you don't think they're different with the pitchers, pitching staff? I think they're different with the pitching staff, but that also doesn't mean that they're – I think they're in aggregate the same. Like Leon might be better with the staff and Vasquez might be better at like – playing catcher oh i don't even think that's remotely close this is why i'm i'm gonna disagree with you 100 percent on this matt over a hundred and let's say that one of those i'm not guys, Matt, but okay no i know I'm, I'm disagreeing with matt right now i also disagree with you probably but good I mean, decision <laughs> over let's just say that one of these guys gets i don't know 100 to 120 games started uh the difference between Lyon over 100 or 120 games with the pitching staff versus whatever slight, and I don't even know if this is even true, if Vasquez is even a tiny bit better at either the catcher position or with the bat, I don't even think that's comparable. I think there's like uh, Lake Michigan worth of difference between the two in terms of how they don't know. the pitching staff. Like, I, I understand Leon. That's Leon's strength. I don't understand... Like, we've gone way too far on the other side with Vasquez. Um, his entire life, his reputation has been that he's great dealing with pitchers and he's great with everything uh, defensively. And now, for like a half a season, he's not 
as good as Leon and everybody's acting as if he's garbage. Like, I think it's close. I don't think either of these guys are all that great. And I don't think you can really, I don't think if you go one way or the other, it's going to be a drastic difference. But um, I think Vasquez has more upside. They signed him to an extension before this year. And I think just dumping him off after this year would probably be a bad way to run a business. Um, and I love Leon. His offense is just brutal. Like I, Vasquez's isn't great, but I feel a lot better when Vasquez at the plate than Leon. Like you basically is... have, you basically have to pinch hit for Leon in the sixth or seventh inning every single time he plays. Vasquez is brutal too, though. I feel a lot better about Vasquez than Leon. But what evidence do you have to back that up? Statistically, it's not great. Last year. But Leon was better last year too. It was, but I mean, Vasquez always seemed like a more sustainable uh, offensive player to me than Leon did. How much of the game do you think is mental in baseball? I don't know. Well, let's just throw a number out there. Do you think that no. there's a high? <laughs> that's a stupid thing to do. Do you think there's a high percentage of baseball that's mental? Sure. I don't know where you're going with this. I mean, Vasquez is a has again has always had a reputation of being a very smart baseball player. But the pitchers for the Red Sox have said ad nauseum this year, and have shown through numbers that they prefer pitching to Leon. So why? Right, would you but take Jake, what I said was that I think that Vasquez is a more physically skilled catcher. No, I got you. I got you that you think he's more physically skilled. But if you have, I also think that it's not like really arguable. I feel like that's his. That's that's Vasquez's thing. Leon's thing is that he's a pitcher's catcher. He's not bad physically, defensively. But I thought that that was the that was that's been the paradigm the entire time. I don't think it's changed at all. But aside from Eovaldi, you're going to have this entire staff coming back next year. Why wouldn't you go with the guy who the pitchers are comfortable with, most comfortable with? Because he just gave Vasquez an extension, and you're not going to be able to trade him. What do you mean you're not going to be able to trade Vasquez? His his deal is you, you, not You could trade him for nothing. Right. I don't but think who, nobody wants Christian Vasquez. That's why. Just dump him then. I mean, it's not like. But it's, why? It's but nobody wants Sandy I mean, Leone like I either. Said, the difference isn't that big. I, this really isn't something worth arguing about. I I disagree. I think that your pitching staff being comfortable is worth dumping. Well, Vasquez they haven't played Leone very much lately. I mean, they clearly want to go in a different direction now. Don't they're you trying... think they're just resting him for the playoffs because he's caught? No, they made a caught. point. They've made a point of saying that they want the big pitchers to. Uh, pitch to other guys to see if they can get used to that. So At I the think same like time, it. I don't get the sense that Porcello or Sale is going to pitch anymore but Leon. I think Leon's Especially in the playoffs. Yeah, I think he's going to end up playing, but I think they would like they would have liked to see uh, somebody other than Leon step up. And, and to your, your point, and not Jake's, overdrawn, overwrought, in comprehensible point um they i feel like leon needs to be around this year because they have this situation where yeah. we're selling sales don't do them all year and then maybe going into next year you have them throw to somebody else and then uh, then that person becomes the new person yeah i wouldn't have vasquez on my playoff roster and i would have leon on 
my playoff roster. Yeah, no, well, this is the whole, the whole point. Roster. The whole point where we started, where I said if you were going to cut anyone from this year's roster uh, of the catchers, it would be Vasquez. Yeah, I agree 100%. I would cut him off, too. I don't think they will, but I would. Well, I'm looking forward to another catcher argument that I'm right about and you guys are wrong about, so that'll be good for the future. I'm never doing this podcast again. <laughs> that was the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. All right, Matt. Um, so let's move on from this because uh, it's just making us all angry. Um, I want to give some props to uh, Steve Horgan, the cop from uh, the fame of the uh, 2013 playoff run, the guy who was in the bullpen for the Tory Hunter flipping over. Did any of you guys ever meet that that guy at a game or anything? I haven't been to Fenway in like no, long no, I've not met that guy. Uh, so my brother and I ran into him on Yaki Way uh, when it was still Yaki Way, and uh, nicest guy took a picture with us and. I think it's really funny that when he holds his hands up, he makes sure that he closes his left hand, uh, just like it was in the picture, and he claims that he was holding a bunch of seeds and didn't want to drop them. So that's why he uh, he has that pose. But he's, he knows uh, how to build a brand. Hey, Jake. Hey, yeah. Jake. You got you have to tell me if this is true, okay, Rowdy? Uh-huh. Are you a cop? Am I a cop? Are you a cop? <laughs> no. Just tell me right now. You have to tell me. It's, it's the law. Um, I like that you and you and your brother ran into him on Yagi Wood. Yeah. You're all you're you're all a bunch of cops. He's great. Um, all right, so let's move on to listener questions. Uh, Trevor Shackles has our first question. This one's uh, right in the Joiner wheelhouse. He says, "Please tell me Bobby Pointer is going to make the postseason roster." All right, Jeff. Let me turn it around. Do you think he's going to make it? No. I wish you think Hembry is going to make it? No. Uh, Interesting. There's a lot of possibilities they can go with that last spot. I don't really know what they're going to do. Not Brandon Phillips. No. I'm talking about the bullpen spots. I kind of think Velasquez might get it. I don't know why. It's just a weird feeling I have. He's been good. I also yeah. like in a in a playoff series, garbage time innings can actually take on huge importance if you're out of a game or way ahead in a game really early. Um, so it could yeah, you know, hurt to have a guy who could be effective in one, but also could pitch four. Yeah, I mean they do already have that with Rodriguez and Wright, but that's true. Right, I would probably rather right, have Wright. Right, yesterday know. was. A spicy meatball. <laughs> he was. He was great yesterday. I think it's. Good. I didn't know what a spicy meatball was, to be honest. I didn't know. What he Eck was going on about his uh, knuckle pieces and whatnot. Wait, Eck called the afternoon game. Yes, he did. What the fuck? He even called the night game. Yeah. Well, there you go. Look with Steve Lyons. The afternoon game did have a, a respectable lineup, at least. Yeah, the yeah that lineup last night was something else. It was awful. Man, I haven't loved Dave O'Brien, but Eck brings them up to a, a very nice level. Um, yeah, yeah. Are you guys Egg in is, on Joe Egg Kelly is for just, the Egg is just something else. No. No, out on Joe Kelly? Well, yeah, he's one of the guys like for that last spot, for sure. I, I think he's going to get the last spot. 
I, I think he's going to get it. I would rather have, I mean, honestly, I'd probably rather have Bobby Pointer than Joe Kelly. I would too. I, I understand think Joe Kelly lessons. getting it. I don't either. Well, but Joe Kelly is just effectively carrying a lefty. I mean, in to some degree, because at this point, I know he throws hard, but you're like, isn't his thing the reverse split? And then the rest of it, you're going with your good relievers. But Kelly's been better in the second half. Yeah, he's been so hot and cold. And he He's has been good, pretty rough lately. He's got good postseason success, though, in the limited sample size that he's pitched. Yeah, I don't really care about the. I mean, I know I probably should care more than I do, but I don't. No, I agree with you. Don't care about it, stupid. All right, well, moving on then. Uh, Scott Barlow says, why doesn't glue stick to the side of the bottle? I assume this is for Brian for some reason. I don't know what that means. You huffing glue over there? Um, Brian, do you know what I've never thought about that? I had never thought about that. Let me answer his question with a question. Why, if a tire is spinning and you draw an arrow which direction it's spinning, half the time it's spinning backwards, why does the tire go forward? Think about that. All right. I don't know uh, what you said. Jody White has our next question. Uh, and uh, they say, how great has this season been? And uh, we have Bill P. who answered it. And he says, Mookie Betts, good. Did yeah. you say Bill Pedo? Bill P. Bill P. <laughs> Not Pedo. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Killing Bill over here for no reason. Bill Pito. I have nothing wrong with. I have nothing wrong with Bill Pito. I talked to him once on New England Cable News. Who's Bill Pito? He was on ESPN, man. All right. I just. Well, when was that? Give us a year. Uh, he started on ESPN two in like '98, I think. Okay. Well, Matt was in diapers back then, and I was, <laughs> you know, still in elementary school, so. I was not in diapers. All right. 98. But you can remember the 1998 baseball fine. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You I was seven, dude. Games. I can't really remember the 1998 baseball season. I just remember dingers. I'm not I'm not going after you. Okay. It's Jake. I, I'm, Proceed. I'm legitimately older than Matt, I think, by a few years. Yes, you are older yeah, I, than Matt. I know that. All right. Uh, Red Sox, unbrief. Uh, unbrief, I haven't... Per- so he's a French my, guy. He's yeah, he's, cha- he changed his handle a few times, but he's a French Red Sox fan. Yeah. What does this mean? It means Red Sox in short? Yeah, but it really should be Red Sox in French. Sorry. He's the world's biggest Bobby Pointer fan. I assume this is about Pointer. Red Sox en Francais says, any chance the aggressive, bull- the aggressive bullpen for sale before game one will be a relief appearance on Sunday? Ooh, uh, that's an interesting point. I don't think so. No, I don't. No. I don't think they want the Yankees to see him, first of all. He wants to throw a lot of pitches, too. Matt, so why do you that. say the Yankees? Because they're playing the Yankees on Sunday? Oh, 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 oh sorry. <laughs> I, I thought you meant you, you, you see what I'm saying. Yeah. So a reporter said that to Price yesterday after his start. Oh, wait. This is, in, this, is, this is in New York, right? No, this is in Fenway. Ah, uh, it's too loud. Because if it was in New York, I would go. Anyhow. But sorry, he's Matt. He's probably uh, going to throw a huge bullpen. 
I don't think uh, that would be enough pitches for him. Yeah, I don't think they're going to want that in game action anyways. Yeah. Uh, Joe McQuery, uh has the next question, which I think might be the best of the night. And uh, he asks us whether we prefer Sheets or Wawa. And uh, I got to say, I am a big Wawa fan, and especially um, the coffee roll at Wawa at like 5 a.m. in the morning before I used to go to my job would be... Uh, 5 a.m. in the morning, that's another one, Jake. That's another redundant <laughs> phrase. Whatever. Get out of my wheelhouse right here. I'm talking Wawa. You don't even know about Wawa, and it's delicious. I do know Wawa. It's in Pennsylvania. How do you know about it? Because I used to live in D.C., in Maryland, in Virginia area, so Wawa is all over the place there, and uh, I love it. I've it's never been to either of these places. I've been to Wawa. I haven't been to Sheets. Uh, where is Sheets? Sheets is in oh, New York. Poor. Why haven't you been there? Sheets is not in New York. You're telling it's me there's New no Sheets it's in Pennsylvania, New York. West Virginia, Maryland, Ohio, Virginia. Yes, I'm North telling Carolina. you about the place I live. I've been you to tell Sheets. me about something else. So I've been to both of these places, Wawa. Wawa for the win. Cumbies. Do you like the, the only place? Cumbies. There's a Scumbies on the vineyard. Matt, will you drink there, the coffee? There's not a lot, not a lot yeah, of um, not a lot of uh, uh, chain places on the vineyard, but we got a Scumbies. Is it is it good? Is it good coffee? I haven't had the coffee there. Yeah, no, so, I mean, terrible. I'm like the last person to ask about coffee because I can't really tell the difference, but I think it's better than Duncan. <sighs> Come on, man. Duncan's opening at my train station. Big. Yo, if you listen Duncan's to the podcast this long, come to Hartsdale. Let's get some coffee. <laughs> All right, next question from Jody White says, who should play third in the postseason? Uh, Devers is trying to make this a convo. Should it be Devers? I think yes. Point. Yeah, kind of, kind of feeling that way. I, you say I, that you say making a convo, but it wouldn't have been a convo for like the first seventy percent of the season. You wouldn't even have thought about it. Well, even last week, Matt and I agreed that it would be Nunez. Two weeks ago, well, but yeah, yes, and this is why I need to be on the show because you guys are idiots. Uh, well, I am offended, but you're probably right. <laughs> All right, next question from Jake. He says. How would you guys sum up Devers' season, and where do you stand on his role going into next season and beyond? Uh, he's locked in. He's a part of this core. He's uh, yeah, I mean, that's... he's the third baseman for good. Yeah. Well, hopefully, but yeah, that's the plan at least. He's just yeah, I mean, you can see you can see it with him. You could see him. What he does could be so beautiful in the playoffs. To to paraphrase, to sort of channel X. Oh yeah, man! You hit those three three run down pieces. That's a beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. No, I mean he. It's a poor impression. I understand that, but I, you know, wouldn't have given up the Kirk Gibson home run. So let's call it even. Um, (laughs) I think he would have. Anyhow, whatever, Jake. It's Chinatown. Forget it. Good reference. Uh, last one. I just here. watched that movie yesterday. It's it's, it's pretty quite good. good. I've seen it before. Kurt Russell, right? No, no, no. Nicholson. Which one are we talking about? Oh, I'm thinking Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. Which is also yes. That's hilarious. That's a very good movie. Yeah. Uh, J.C. Martin has our last one here, and he says, who is the playoff bench and why? 
Uh, seriously, the bullpen writes long. Oh, he, he's got a shitload of questions here. Uh, more afraid of New York Yankees than the rest of that short porch. What are your thoughts on the easiest and toughest opponents? I think we've talked about the first part of his question a lot. So we're just going to go here. Easiest and toughest opponents. Uh, let's rank them. Let's rank them in terms of uh, who's the hardest out in the AL and who's the easiest out in the AL, in your opinion. Uh, we'll start with Brian. The easiest out is the A's. Then we're going to hardest. Then, okay, then there's a big gap. Not a big gap. Then there's a gap. Then it's the Yankees. And the uh, I'm not I mean, I know the Yankees stats are better, but like the Yankees and Indians, and I would say there's a gap and then it's the Astros. And then their Astros and Red Sox are about at the same level. Okay. Okay. Matt, where are you at? I don't know. I don't think this is worth it. They're all close. Did you just say that because I nailed it and you didn't want to go against me? Yes, I was terrified of following that up. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, My God. I would go. He admitted it. I would go A's and Yankees as fairly equal um, with how they're playing right now. I would go uh, Indians and then very close to them, Astros. That would be my my rankings. I think there's a pretty big gap between Indians, Astros, and A's Yankees. I just want the wild card game the, in Oakland. The Yankees were very, very good this year. And like I, you know, they all are very good. That's the point. Yeah, but the Yankees are just because of where they are. That, but at the same time, I have no con. Thankfully, I have no confidence they're going to do anything this year in the playoffs. Last year was their show. Famous. They were there. Race. They were right there. Um, but I feel like this year, last year they got the breaks. This year they won't get them. no breaks. Okay, that about does it for the podcast this week. If you enjoyed the show, uh, go on rate and review us. Uh, and um, we've got a, three more rates and reviews since the last time. So thank you guys who uh, did that. Um, You're all me. <laughs> nice. You were you were kind to us, Matt. Uh, <laughs> Also, you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow the Over the Monster account for all your latest Red Sox news at, at Over the Monster. You can follow Brian for a bunch of Brian's nonsense at, at Brian Joiner. Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I. And you can follow Matt for uh, basketball thoughts at, at Matt R.Y. Collins. And you can follow me at, at Dev Jake for uh, really mundane tweets. So uh, get after us. Thank Does Matt really have basketball thoughts or are they just Celtics thoughts? They're Celtics thoughts. Just so. Thank you, guys.